Well, surprise, surprise, Chargers fans. The trade deadline has come and passed, and Tom Telesco in the Chargers front office did not make a move to acquire a player. So we're going to talk about if that was the right decision or not and why they still could have thought short-term and long-term when deciding to try to bring somebody in. And also Melvin Ingram coming back to the AFC West, but with the Chiefs. Then we'll get into some voicemails because we wanted to let people vent on this show after that last game. We have some good venting and I think some good positive encouragement as well to get into in the fan voicemails. Happy to get back and get you guys' voices back on the show. But I'm Danny Wade. That's David Drogmeyer. Let's go ahead and get into it. You are Locked On Chargers, your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Chargers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up and welcome into the Locked On Chargers podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Wade. Join us always my co-host, David Drogmeyer and we are two writers who have been covering the Chargers for over five seasons. We started doing our own Facebook Live show, Chargers Domination Life. Now we're getting back to our roots doing the Locked on Chargers podcast, getting on the Locked on Chargers YouTube page and doing a little bit of video action here, which has been really great so far. But this is where you can always get your team every day. And thank you guys for making us your first listen. We really appreciate it. If you don't already, make sure to subscribe to Locked on Chargers YouTube page. Also, make sure to follow or subscribe wherever you get your podcast from. But David, I know I wish there was it was a more exciting show. I mean, I know me and you were talking about it last time. We're like, Tom Telesco is not going to make a trade. But if he does, it's going to be so much fun to talk about tomorrow on the show. It didn't end up happening. I saw some rumors floating around. There was rumors being, you know, talked down to by other rumors and, and things of that nature. You know, charges are going to add this and add this. Sure enough, they didn't add anything, right? They, they stood pat. And there's reasons for it, right? I mean, I guess on the positive side of things, or at least from the argument of Tom Telesco and Brandon Staley, I guess it's probably something like you have to think short-term and long-term. You know, there's a player that you can go trade for right now. Is he going to push you over the top for a Super Bowl? Probably not, right? But can it give you a better idea of if the coaches you have in place are right or what this offense and what this defense should look like if they have the right players in it, right? And you're not going to spend another year trying to figure it out down the road. But Either way, David, I mean, the Chargers are a flawed team. And for the ninth consecutive trade deadline, Tom Telesco did not make a move. Yeah, I saw a comment on our YouTube page that said, with the Chargers and the trade deadline, it's like Christmas and you get really excited to open up your gifts that are under the tree and there's no presents there. Yeah, that was a great analogy. I thought that was an awesome analogy and very, very much the truth as far as it pertains to the Chargers and Tom Telesco. But Daniel Popper of the, of the Athletic put out one of his questions, um, you know, that, that he does with his mailbag. And one of the answers talked about why Staley was so attracted to come be the coach of the Chargers. And part of that was that he kind of has a vision that aligns with Tom Telesco. He really uh, loved the fact that the Chargers have a lot of draft capital. They also like that they're in a very healthy cap space situation. So it just makes me feel like he doesn't really believe in trades either. Uh, he, he really wants to covet the draft picks. And obviously we'll see what he does when the Chargers have an immense amount of money. And by all accounts, Daniel, I mean, if all the, the figures are accurate, the Chargers should have 70 plus million dollars in cap space after this season. 
to really go out and acquire any type of player that they want to and really kind of add some superstars. But the vision, it remains the same for Tom Telesco and Brandon Staley. They want to build this team through the draft. And maybe, I mean, there's guys out there they felt like wouldn't be the right fit, right? But at the same time, you better start hitting on those draft picks, right? I mean, obviously, it is a crapshoot to some extent. So to have as many dart throws, you know, as possible is obviously a positive thing, you know. But if you're going to covet them so much instead of trading them for players that you know are talented and that you know are proven in this league, you better hope you hit on them because the Chargers could have figured out a lot of things, right, by trading for someone, even if it wasn't the piece to put them over the top for a Super Bowl championship. And I just think that if you trade for Akeem Hicks, right, a guy who's proven in Vic Fangio's system with Brandon Staley as one of his former coaches, with Jay Rogers here now from the Bears, their former defensive line coach, you could have had an idea of what you really need, and you'd have an inside track at him in free agency if you want to bring him in. I mean, yes, you can say now, okay, well, at the end of the season, right, we'll see if Akeem Hicks, we can bring him in as a free agent. We save our draft capital and on and on and on, right? I definitely understand that part of it, but first of all, you need help right now. It's one of the years in Justin Herbert's rookie contract window, so it's not something that should be taken for granted by any means. And now you would know by the end of the season if the dude is a fit in your defense, right? You would know how well it is. You would know whether how well it fits, and you would know whether or not you'd want to re-sign him, like because you have him in here, you see what it looks like. It's a trial run, but you'd have to imagine that he'd want to stay with the Chargers because I just feel like you're more likely to stay with the team that you're on than to move your whole family, do all of those things, and go to a different team. So there's some things I understand the logic for more than others. Like Brandon Cooks, and he didn't, never really wanted to get traded anyways. There's a lot of things going on there, but not surprising at all to see the Chargers not getting better. And for the AFC West, it didn't really get much better outside of the Kansas City Chiefs bringing in Melvin Ingram, which I still think is a good move for them. He was productive this year, and he started losing snaps with the Pittsburgh Steelers, so it made sense why he wanted to get out. The Chiefs have to send away a six-round pick, but Melvin Ingram definitely brings something to that defense, David. And the other thing is, too, is just like, they're going for it. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, at least they're pushing the chips into the center of the table. At least, I mean, Chiefs can, you know, realistically, Chiefs fans can say, like, we got better in this trade deadline. It's going to be, Super weird. I mean, I think we all assumed it was going to be the Raiders where Melvin Ingram ended up when he didn't come back to the Chargers. And now we know it's the Chiefs. Well, I mean, it's not really hard to fathom because Melvin Ingram and the Chiefs had a lot of interest in the offseason. Like they were talking and they were getting, you know, seemingly close to getting a deal done. It just never ended up happening. He ended up signing with the Pittsburgh Steelers. But Now he ends up on the Chiefs after all. So obviously that interest level was still there throughout. And, you know, one of the things I think it's important to bring up is that this allows them to move Chris Jones back inside and have another pass rusher on the outside to compliment him because Chris Jones in all of his pass rushing prowess, he was playing out of position. He is not a defensive end. He's a defensive tackle and he does his best work in the middle. So now you have a proven defensive end pass rusher, a guy who obviously the Chargers know very well, can set a physical edge, can get after the passer. And I mean, I think you see it with the Chargers with Joey Bosa and (laughs) that guy gets double team and triple team because there's really no other viable pass rushing threat on the other side. Unfortunately, it just hasn't manifested itself. The chiefs went out there and they made a move to improve an element of their defense that has been sorely lacking 
it just makes you envious a little bit that at least their front office is identifying a deficiency and making a move to try to address it. For sure. And I think it is a message to their fans. It's a message to their team, right? And maybe they're galvanized by that fact that their front office is behind them and was trying to, you know, capitalize in a key year for a lot of those veteran players in Kansas City. And I just think that do any of the people in the Kansas City front office think that Melvin Ingram is going to solve all their problems? Probably not. You know, they have a lot of defensive problems anyways. Can he fix some of it? Maybe, right? And at least they're willing to take the chance for a six-round pick, right? A guy who could potentially get a few sacks for them, come up in some key moments for them, be a rotational player, be a starter for them for a six-round pick in another year with Patrick Mahomes where they're trying to go win a Super Bowl. So I understand it from their aspect of it. And I think for the Chargers, that's the part that you don't get, right? You don't get the players in this locker room. Yeah, you can go in and say, hey, we didn't trade for anybody because we believe in the guys in this locker room, right? And I can almost see Brandon Staley saying it. But at the same time, though, Bringing in a player, I don't think hurts that, right? I mean, I think players want the best players out there for themselves, right? They want to have the best team surrounding them. If you bring in a player, I think that just shows the players, okay, hey, we're going for it. You know, well, you see it a lot in baseball, right? When they make trades to acquire players at the trade deadline, a lot of the time, that's sending a message to your team that they're they believe in you and they want to add to what you guys already have. I, I mean, I know it's another sport, but I, I still think that that analogy rings true. Yeah, and of course, you know, we're Padres fans. I know a lot of Padres fans felt that way, and there was rumors, you know, that uh, for them it was, you know, them trading away potentially a clubhouse leader. That's not necessarily a good move. But to bring in someone to show the team that you're going for it, that you're trying to capitalize on a year of their limited NFL career, I do think that helps. And I think the other thing is, too, is that for the fan base, right, that gets them more interested. You lost two games in a row. I'm not saying that. You should go get somebody because you lost two games in a row and you need to get the fan base back on your side. But at least you get buy-in from the fan base. It's like, oh, all right, we're not letting this season slip away. We're going to do every single thing possible to try to get this back on track, make this team as good as possible because there was no guy out there that was going to fix the Chargers. But at the same time, there were guys out there that could have definitely helped. And I think that's the big part of it. And I think the big part of why you're so disappointed. And there wasn't a ton of trades, right? You have a couple big ones like Von Miller and stuff, but like, it's not like a lot of teams trade. A lot of teams are doing and reasoning the same way as Tom Telesco is right now. But still, I think especially for the Chargers, in an AFC that is wide open, that's another huge factor in this, right? You know the Bills are good. The Titans lost Derrick Henry. The Ravens just got smoked by the Bengals, who then got you know beat by the Jets. Like There's a lot up in the air right now in the AFC, and I think that's an opportunity for the Chargers to be like, hey, you know, we're a flawed team. But there's some other flawed teams in this conference as well. Let's see if we can make some noise here. And maybe they still can, but you would have liked to at least see them try to address, you know, an obvious deficiency on their roster. But we do have some voicemails we want to get into. Excited to do that on YouTube for the first time. So we're going to try it out on today's show. We will see how it goes. But coming up next, we'll be getting into some voicemails about Keenan Allen. Is he just going to keep dropping passes all year? Is it more Justin Herbert just not throwing him the ball softly enough, right? We're going to get into much more coming up right after this. But first, I need to tell you guys about a new app that if you get gas, you have to know about. And it's GetUpside. My listeners are making up to 25 cents for every gallon of gas every time they fill up. And all they are doing is downloading the free GetUpside app in the App Store or the Google Play Store right now using the promo code TOUCHDOWN and getting a bonus 25 cents per gallon on your first fill up. That's up to 50 cents cash back. Don't pay full price at the pump anymore, guys. Get cash back using GetUpside. Just download that for free. Use that promo code TOUCHDOWN and you can get up to 50 cents 
per gallon cash back on that first gas tank and up to 25 cents all the time. I mean, taking 25 cents off the number at the gas station definitely makes it a little bit more palatable for me. And the best part is you can cash out anytime to your bank account, PayPal, or an e-gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free GetUpside app and use the promo code TOUCHDOWN and start saving money on gas today. All right, David. Well, now it's time to get into some of these voicemails. I'm excited to see how this goes. We haven't tried this, and it's going to look a little different for those on YouTube. I think for those who are listening on the podcast, it's going to stay pretty much the same, right? But we'll start with our longest one first and see how it goes. Let's start with Ivan from Victorville, who had a very curse-ridden voicemail that we weren't able to get on today's show. I think that would have been more in the essence of venting. A lot of F-bombs, and I really wanted to play it, but I think he brings up a good point here. Let's hear what Ivan from Victorville has for us. Let's see it. What's going on, fellas? Ivan from Victorville here, checking in, doing a little vent out. Man, it's been a little rough, you know, going into the bye with an L, you know, really hoping we're going to come out and uh, do something that we cannot. Well, I think we came out pretty decent. I mean, we came out, scored two touchdowns. Um, but then it just died after that. I don't know what was happening. You said it was a lot of uh, man to, to zone looks. Uh, I mean, based off of the 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 post game uh, interviews. I mean, Alan, you can you can see the frustration. He's been dropping a lot of balls. I'm hoping that this is it. I hope he's coming up on what six drop balls. He's had eight for the past two years. Um, and I'm hoping that that's just kind of a little fluke and uh, he starts wrapping it up better. Mike Mike Will, too, he had a drop. Uh, pretty concerning. Uh, you guys think it's it's more or less them dropping the ball or just Herbert putting too much heat on it? And is that something that he could correct? Uh, I felt like he was kind of under duress a lot. I mean, he was under duress a lot, but I don't know. I said last year he didn't – I feel like he didn't respond the way he's responding now. Um, kind of a little frantic, and then he just he got the rocket of arm, so he just guns that thing. Uh, defense stepped up. I felt good how they played. They played well enough for us to win if we would have put up points. I mean, we held them down, uh, and being that we lost all our uh, – our, our, was it Samuel and Harris? Oh, no, not Harris, uh, Davis. Um, that put us in a spot, and it's just going to show Derwin James is a beast, man. Uh, a lot of things to be happy about. Um, let's see if we get a trade in. 12 p.m. right now, got about 48 minutes left. We'll see what happens then. But both of let me know what you guys think about uh, Herbert's rocket of arm and if we could get that corrected. And uh, how do you guys feel about James coming back? Well, spoiler alert, Ivan, there will be no trade. So I'm sorry that the Chargers couldn't make you a little happier there. Obviously, that was a little long, too. And we're definitely, now that we're on YouTube, going to have to keep them as short as possible, right? So we can work on both platforms. But I forgot to tell you guys, if you guys want to call in, call in to 323-524-7924 to get on the Locked on Chargers voicemail. I've been caught up on how to do this and how to get these on here. So, Ivan, first of all, Derwin James is a beast. Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to say he's lost much, you know, from the last time we saw him on. We've seen some fly-by missed tackles of him being kind of, you know, inches away from making a miraculous play and just shooting past the offensive player like a torpedo. But we'll take that aggressiveness. Yeah. We'll definitely take that aggressiveness and like we've also seen him make those plays and when he does make them, it's even better, right? And I think that's something that as he gets keep keeps going in the season, will you know straighten itself out a little bit. And this takes me to a YouTube comment that we have that was basically saying we were taking it way too easy on Keenan Allen, and I replied back to that and I was like, you're probably right, you know. Keenan Allen has had a lot of drops that have been crucial. 
that have cut down drives for the Chargers that have really played a big impact in the games, right? And I think with a player of his caliber, with a player who has his resume, David, you assume things are going to work themselves out, right? I mean, like Mike Williams has kind of had a consistent drop problem, but like Keenan Allen is good for a couple different, you know, drop passes a year. I think it was Daniel Popper that put, you know, 18, 2018 to 2020, Keenan Allen had eight drop passes. I think that's why Evan was referencing there. And then this year he already has six, which is second most in the league. It's bad, right? And you just assume he's going to take care of it. But the other thing, too, we have to realize is how many clutch catches he made, especially earlier on in the season. Third damn catches, fourth damn catches against Washington. Again, all those early games where he was just coming through over and over again on all those big fourth downs where the Chargers had to get things going. So I do think that, you know, Justin Herbert at certain times could definitely take a little bit of the heat off the ball. And I think part of that is him getting sped up in his mechanics thinking pressure is coming even when it's not because it has been so present like we saw in that last game right before that pick six. And I just think that, yeah, I think he can slow it down a little bit, but the receivers have to start catching footballs, David, because the Chargers went, what, three of 12 last week on third down, right? There was at least three drop passes on third down that would have been conversions for first downs. Six of 12 is like best in the league third down rate. Three of 12 at 25%. I mean, now you're one of the worst teams in the league in the NFL. But Keenan Allen, I think it'll work itself out. I don't think, you know, it's going to keep going throughout the season. But that's just me giving him the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, I think another element I'd like to bring up here is that Phillip Rivers was the quarterback for, of the Chargers for many years, and he didn't really have that the, the best fastball. I mean, he always had a very kind of awkward arm angle. He always yeah. threw the ball in, in a different kind of arm slot. He would get the ball there, but it seemed like I think – one thing that Herbert's going to get better at as he continues to play football is to learn to use the touch a little bit more, is to learn to layer the ball a little bit more. And he already does that at a very, very high level, but that's something that's going to get better with experience. You gotta, um, He's in the, the midst of his second season, guys. I think that's something that we need to continue to remind ourselves is this guy is already incredible, and that's why I think you know we look at him with the magnifying glass and, you know, we, we identify those flaws so closely because we've seen him do incredible things, but he's still very young in his career. And there's still things about his game that are going to get better the more he is out there and the more adversity that he faces. And I think if the projection's better, if he feels more comfortable going through his progressions, maybe he's not trying to get it out so quick. And then, of course. And, you know, by default sending laser beams into receivers hands who are five yards away. And all that being said, Keenan Allen still has to catch it, but that does play a big part of it. And if you're throwing those lasers over the middle and they do get tipped up, it ends up like it was last week with Adrian Phillips, former chargers getting a pick. Speaking of which Dakota was actually at the stadium at SoFi and called into the show. Let's hear what he has for us this week. Going on guys. My name is Dakota. I'm here at SoFi stadium, big chargers fan. Man, that was a tough one, man. I really thought we had it going into the half. Looked like our defense was holding solid. Matt Jones looked nervous, but that pick six, that did it, man. That was it. That pick six by Herbie, man. By Adrian Phillips, too, our old our old friend, uh, riding back home to San Diego, a little bit uh, feeling good. But, man, that was a rough one. But uh, we'll come back next week. I can feel it. Herbert's due for a good game. Go Bolts. Bolts up. Got a go bolt and a bolt up. I love that. And it sounded like you were feeling good on the way home from that game, even though it was a brutal game. So there was definitely some uh, liquid encouragement, I think, 
going on there. But thanks for calling. I mean, love getting a reaction from the stadium after that game. And yeah, I mean, Adrian Phillips, how fitting, gets two interceptions, takes one back for a pick six, and he should have never gotten away from the Chargers. But does it feel like, David, this week is a week where Justin Herbert kind of has one coming to him, that this could be a breakout performance to kind of shut people up for a little while? I would say yes, just because Justin Herbert has shown in, in his career that when he does have some mistakes or he does make some errors, that he's able to clean those up quickly and he's able to really move forward in a positive way. And I think that really just you know goes with his athletic ability, his intelligence, his work ethic. Uh, he really cares about football. He loves this. And you know that it's killing him inside to have two games back-to-back with a completion percentage just over 50%. That's not the type of player that Justin Herbert is. I know that. Daniel Wade knows that. The Chargers organization knows that. I do not expect a guy that's this incredibly talented to continue to have a rough time. Now, Joe Lombardi needs to make things easier for Justin Herbert. He needs to get him into a rhythm, get him some quick passes, get the ball out of his hands quickly, get his confidence back going, get him, you know, seven, eight, nine completions in a row, and then start opening things back up. I think that's really important that Joe Lombardi needs to do for Justin Herbert and for this offense to really get going back in a positive direction. Yeah, and I can't remember who wrote this, but I was on ESPN Fantasy uh, looking at Justin Herbert's profile. Because, I mean, it's funny, a lot of, like, fantasy stuff, you know, also translates into being a good football player. A lot of good stats, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's not always a direct correlation, but one of the things that they said was that in the last game, Justin Herbert held on to the ball career-high 3.1 seconds before he threw the ball, which means, yeah, he wasn't getting the ball out quick enough. That is something that you want him to get into rhythm. He does seem like a very rhythm-oriented player where he can go on a streak of 15 straight completions, right? Yeah. But if he's not driving, if they're not picking up first downs and stuff, it seems like he can get pretty out of whack there. So I think that is something that the Eagles aren't great against quarterbacks. They're not terrible. I mean, quarterbacks like, you know, Jared Goff and Sam Darnold haven't done well against them while quarterbacks like Dak Prescott have shredded them, right? And the better quarterbacks, Patrick Mahomes shredded them. Like, so I think that, I mean, Justin Herbert's much closer to that than, you know, Jared Goff and Sam Darnold. So I think he should be in line for a pretty good game. They have Darius Slay. The last matchup he had with Keenan Allen was gnarly. I mean, that's a matchup we'll be looking forward to. But Mike Williams has to step up in a big way too, because I mean, he's on a milk carton over the last couple of weeks. But we do have a couple more voicemails that we have to get in here. Yeah, we have to get into and we appreciate you guys calling in again. We really appreciate you guys getting you involved in the show. But coming up next, we'll talk about the cap space that the Chargers have going into next year and what the Chargers identity is offensively at this point. We're going to get into that coming up right after this. But first, I need to tell you guys that Bet Online is back and better than ever with a new web interface for the start of the basketball season and more props, odds and lines than ever before. And BetOnline.ag is the official betting sponsor of the Lockdown Chargers podcast. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all basketball and football action this season. So make sure to head to the new website, the updated desktop, or the mobile website to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with the promo code LOCKEDON to receive that bonus. That's free money to play with at BetOnline, guys, with the promo code LOCKEDON, all caps, one word to get that bonus. So from basketball, football, baseball, postseason, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. Bet online, where the game starts. 
I also need to tell you guys about my favorite protein bar. And of course, I'm talking about Built Bars, the best tasting protein bar ever, if you ask me. If you guys haven't tried Built Bar by now, you guys are missing out. They say it's a protein bar, but it does not taste like when you have to try one of these amazing bars for yourself because you can have a protein bar and have something that fits on your diet while also having something that tastes like a candy bar. And there's so many great flavors to choose from. Mint brownie, coconut raspberry, coconut almond, some of my favorites, peanut butter brownie, cookies and cream. That's a ton of great flavors, guys, and you're going to find one that you like. You can even get a mix box where they'll let you try out all of the flavors so you can find out which one you want to buy a whole box of next time. But I love it because it has to taste good. It's not going to be waxy. It's not going to be chalky, right, which is really what a lot of the worst protein bars are. You're not going to have that with Built Bar. They're all 100% covered in chocolate and soft and easy to chew while being high in fiber, high in protein while low on sugar and low on carbs. So to find the best tasting protein bar on the market, make sure you go to Built.com, use the promo code LOCK15. You can even save some money and get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. All right, David, well, it's time to jump back into some voicemails here. I'm glad that we get to do this on YouTube and kind of experiment on this one. And I want to give the number again for anyone who wants to get on these shows going future into the future. And I mean, it might happen in a different way because it, it took a lot of time to uh, put these voicemails on the show today. But we're learning. We're YouTube people now. We're podcasters as well. We're hybrids. So we're figuring things out on the fly. But we just love having you guys be a part of the show. Again, the number is 323-524-7924. But let's go to one of our favorites, right? One of our longtime callers, Curtis Loki Cohen of the show, making his debut appearance on YouTube. Hey guys, it's Curtis Loki. Uh, just calling uh, a few hours after the game. Obviously, that was a pretty uh, disappointing loss, but uh, you know the truth is, though, I mean, we kind of were surprised by the uh, the team's performance this year so far, uh, both good and bad. But I'd say mostly good. Um, it's a it's a rough loss, especially the Patriots, considering how many times we've lost to them, and obviously last year's loss. And, of course, the former Chargers play well against us. I'm happy Hunter Henry didn't score. But other than that, you know, it is what it is. I mean, the truth is, though, you know, we know that the third season is when we can finally, uh, which is next year, we can finally start uh, taking advantage of free agency and filling a lot of those holes. And, uh, you know, it's still Brandon Staley's first year. And the truth is, is that, you know, they kind of sucked us into this year. And I don't want to suggest, like I did last time, saying we're not a playoff team, but, um, I just don't think, as I think it's very obvious, that we just have the necessary pieces in place. Justin Jones showed up, and nothing changed. So, I mean, hey, maybe Kenneth Murray plays outside linebacker next year or later in the season. But I think there's still a lot of good to come from it, um, the season that is. And let's just enjoy the wins as they come and, and always try to pick out the positives. Like I said, uh, I think uh, we're, we're, what, top five in the league in terms of cap space uh, next year. So, I think we'll see a completely different team, and uh, I look forward to it. So, love the show. Love the Chargers. Talk to you guys later. All right. So, I mean, David, you kind of alluded to it earlier, what the Chargers cap space was going to be next year. I mean, it's a lot. (laughs) Yeah, it's somewhere around 70-plus million dollars in cap space. And it's tough, though, because it's like the teams who win – free agency aren't usually the really good teams, right? Usually if you see a team that has this much cap space, it's a rebuilding team that's not going to, you know, go out and sign a bunch of top tier free agents, right? And they have a lot of rollover cap because like, what's the point if they're going to be a terrible team anyways to just go spend unnecessary money and potentially hinder 
what they're able to build in the future when they have the foundational pieces that they need, right? Those are usually the teams that you have with that much salary cap space. The Jags, the Browns were that team for a long time. So it's good, but you obviously have to hit on those. And I think this year with Brandon Staley, I mean, we're seeing the best return on investment of the Chargers free agents that I can remember. I mean, Matt Filer has played great. Corey Lindsley has been great. Odea Bushi was great before he left. I think Jared Cook has filled in nicely in the void of Hunter Henry. Has he replaced it? Absolutely not. But at the same time, he, for what his contract is, that is a bargain. Like Christian Covington is whatever, right? I mean, there's a lot of things that aren't moving the needle a ton, but like, I don't know if there's any free agents that you can look at from this year. I mean, last year you go back and it's like, was that Chris Harris Jr. move a good idea? Was that Brian Bulaga move a good idea? It's harder to find stuff like that. This Hindsight's year. always 2020, right? And the biggest thing is though, David, and where I agree with Curtis Loki the most is this is Brandon Staley's first season with this team. It's going to take him a little while to make this team in his image, right? Find the players that he feels like are going to fit his system the best. Because even this year, with a lot of turnover for the Chargers, I mean, they did have a lot of turnover, a lot of guys left, a lot of new men in the building. Those guys are learning the system, right? A lot of young guys that we still haven't seen much of, the Mark Webbs of the world, the Brandon Hymases, the Trey McKitty. We'll see what they evolve into next year, right? Maybe they're part of the future plans. But Brandon Staley is still building this roster with Tom Telesco to get the kind of guys that he wants. And we still have to kind of see that play out. And this is only year one. Rome wasn't built in the day, and there's a new Julius Caesar in town, and that is Brandon Staley. And we already saw his influence on the draft, a very different draft class than, you know, we've seen from Anthony Lynn and previous coaches. And, you know, by all accounts, the early returns are very, very good on the draft class and very, very good on on the free agency acquisitions as well. I think you overwhelmingly positive reports on both of those avenues as it stands right now. And you can only imagine what Brandon Staley is going to be able to do with 70 plus million dollars in cap space. And the chargers are obviously not without flaws. There are plenty of positions out there that the chargers could shore up, but who knows what exactly they're going to do with that type of money. Cause we've not seen them with that type of money before. And we also know, as we stated earlier in the show, the overarching philosophy is to build through the draft. You want to, I guess, add and free agency and complement your roster that way, but you want to get the bulk of your team in the draft. So I'm curious to see what it looks like, but it's going to be exciting. I mean, there's a couple of players the Chargers need to resign or, you know, talk about, you know, bringing back, probably get a new contract for Derwin. Uh, obviously, Mike Williams, that's still up in the air uh, at this point in time. But there are some players you need to take care of, I, I would say. But the Chargers are going to have a hell of a lot of money, and it's going to be a lot of fun and very interesting to see how they use it. And they have to also go into it knowing that, you know, if Justin Herbert is as good as what he's been for most of the games this season, you know, or both of his first two seasons, that they're going to have to back up the Brinks truck for that. So, like, you don't want a lot of bad contracts in the way of that. But honestly, it just makes me more pissed off about the Tom Telesco thing. It's just because, will it be Tom Telesco making those moves next year? You know what I mean? Like, I don't think this, you know. And does he deserve to be making those moves next year? I mean, his track record isn't great. He just has so much riding, I feel like, on this season. Because this is his third head coach, right? He had the Mike McCoy. Then he had Anthony Wynn, both his hires. Now this is supposedly more of a John Spanos hire with Brandon Staley. So how much, you know, credit does Tom Telesco get for that? And if the Chargers don't finish off the season strong, 
how long before the blame ends up on him? Because this will be his ninth season. Yeah. The Chargers record with him at general manager is not good. And I mean, that's not, you know, a win and loss stat isn't a quarterback stat. It's not necessarily a GM stat, depending on what they inherited and how long it takes to build it. But at this point, we have a sample size. Yeah, we're right? talking we about a decade years. here. Yeah, we're talking about a decade. And I just don't know if many GMs with the record that he has have the kind of protection it seems like he has. But if things don't go well with Brandon Staley this year, right? And I mean, it just seems like there'd be more urgency to try to make sure this is a really good year with Brandon Staley, even if you have to give up some future assets, to make sure that you're still around to help build Brandon Staley's you know, vision of what this roster is going to be. And didn't seem like they had that urgency, obviously, at the trade deadline. But we have one more to get into here. We have Mike from the OC calling in. Let's see what he has for us. Hi, this is Mike in the OC. Uh, just finished watching the disappointing Patriots game. And I had a question. Um, it seems like we don't really have an identity on offense. You look at the Browns or the Cowboys, and they all have their own identity, you know. But it seems like Lombardi cannot figure out who we are yet if we're a running team, if we're a passing team, if we're a dink and dunk team. So what do you think? Do I mean, do we look at it in a more of a pass-heavy, run-heavy kind of a combination? Like, where are we? What are we doing? All right, thanks, guys. Love the pod. Keep up the good work. Appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, I get what he's saying, right? I mean, you do. I mean, but those teams you're talking about, like, the Cowboys were a running team, right? But, like, they also have Amari Cooper and Dak Prescott and CeeDee Lamb. So, I mean, they're just a really good offense. And their offensive coordinator is really good, too, right? And I think that's a part of it. The Browns definitely want to be a running team and all of that. But, like, I get what you're saying. I mean, there's no real staple at this point of Joe Lombardi's offense, David, that you look at one thing that you're like, that's something this offense does really, really well on a week-to-week basis. So I do think, especially in a new offense, a complex offense, one that's supposed to be, I mean, let's be honest, the identity of this offense is supposed to be Justin Herbert, right? But if that's the case, I mean, the offense hasn't been great, you know, the last couple of weeks. Like, obviously, that's not what you want the identity to be. But, yeah, it has to be built around Justin Herbert. I think it has to be more pass-heavy than it is run-heavy when you have a guy that has Justin Herbert's talents, even though you haven't seen him as much the last couple of weeks. I'm saying this, obviously, knowing that, I believe he fully, you know, firmly believe that Justin Herbert is going to bounce back, right? And the thing is, is like outside of like Carson Wentz, right, where like the injuries had a lot to do with that, like you don't see somebody hit the peaks of what Justin Herbert has been able to do and then lose that. Like you just don't see it. Like you don't see someone be that good and then turn into a scrub. He's not the player you've seen from him the last two weeks. And he's going to get better. And he's still growing into this offense. But I do think it's fair to say that this offense does not have an identity yet. No, I don't think it has an identity, but I also think partially is because they're trying to build specific game plans to attack specific opponents from week to week. So I think that has... Oh my God, Belichick stole their identity. Identity Ah, theft. Yes, exactly. Well, I mean, (laughs) the Sith Sith Lord does that to a lot of teams in the NFL. That's why he has a lot of damn rings. But I've spent way too much time thinking and talking about Bill Belichick. I'd rather not do that. Any to Cincinnati more. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> uh, but no, yeah, I think, like I said, Brandon Staley wants to build specific game plans to attack specific teams. Joe Lombardi obviously plays a part in that. That's why I think you don't really see any overarching philosophy or overarching theme uh, to this offense or identity to this offense. But 
they do need to throw the football more. They are set up to do that at a high level. They just haven't been able to do that the last few weeks. There are, has been stretches of this season where they have thrown the ball as prolifically as anybody in the NFL. They just need to get back to doing that. They need to protect better. But like I said, they need to get him in a rhythm to really to be, be able to get back to doing that like they are capable of. Yeah, and I think one of the things that you've seen the last couple of weeks is the teams that they're going up against are begging them to run the football, right? They're dropping two deep safeties back there and begging the Chargers to be a good running team. And you saw a couple of big runs break off last week. But it, like those big runs didn't really help the rhythm of the Chargers offense. Like They scored on both the drives they had a big run on. I mean, Justin Jackson has a 75-yard run. You get a touchdown. That's you better it. score a touchdown, yeah, yeah. right? Austin Eckler has a 28-yard run, his longest of the season. You get a field goal out of it. But like it didn't seem like they were still consistently running the ball well enough or that they have this season run the ball well enough consistently to not have teams give Justin Herbert the Patrick Mahomes treatment. And I think that's what you've been seeing is Justin Herbert is getting all the respect from these defenses. They're saying, you'll beat us with somebody, but you're not going to beat us with this dude slinging it over the top because we're going to get pressure we're going to crowd you up front. We're going to make you be able to have time enough to develop down the field to make a long deep pass against us with a couple of guys back there, right? And it's worked. I mean, the Chargers have not been able to be patient enough to expose these defenses, the Tampa 2 kind of defense that they've been seeing. They ran the ball more effectively last week. They're going to have to more effectively this week. But more importantly, I think for me, it's just this team isn't good unless it's converting on its third down. So they need to, first of all, I think face less third downs. Right. And we've talked about the more explosive plays on first and second down. Stop facing so many third downs. Right. That, that would be a great. Especially third down. and longs, because it's right. been crazy this season. The amount of third and seven pluses the Chargers have seen. And you're just asking for it. Like if you give yeah. a, any sort of average to above average pass rusher a one on one opportunity or a chance to go up against Storm Norton in a third and seven plus, you're asking for it. Right. And Justin Herbert knows that same thing and so when he's in a third and seven plus he's like holy sh you know i have to get rid of this ball quick because there's not going to be very much time before this dude gets past storm norton or somebody on that right hand side or somebody gets home you know you get the point of it storm norton i mean has been you know one of the worst tackles in the league this year as far as pressure is given up and i want to be better obviously but that's sped things up for justin herbert that's made this team look totally out of whack because the identity really is Justin Herbert, and when he's not comfortable, when he's not right, you're going to see offensive performances like we've seen the last couple of weeks. And yeah, third down conversions help that, right? Like we said, if you're keeping those drives going, because it's always like all or nothing. It's like they either convert that first down and they're going to have a good drive on that first series, or they're not and they're going to punt. And like it doesn't seem like there's anywhere in between, and there's just been too long of droughts. So Justin Herbert has to be better too. But we've talked a lot about that. That is going to wrap things up for today's show, though. We really appreciate you guys coming on and checking us out. If you're checking us out on YouTube, make sure to go to the bottom and hit the subscribe button there. And if you guys are checking us out on the podcast, make sure you follow or subscribe wherever you get your podcast from, whether that's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, the TuneIn app, the new Odyssey app, or wherever. And make sure to rate and review there if you can as well. We would really appreciate it if you guys like the show so we can keep this thing going. Again, that voicemail number line is 323-524-7924. They won't always be this long, I promise. If you guys want to get your concise thoughts, questions, all that stuff on the show, we're definitely going to keep trying to get in there and keep you guys involved in it. But that is going to do it for us today. We'll be back with you guys tomorrow for the crossover episode of the week. We're going to be talking with a Locked On Eagles podcast. Very excited about that, getting their perspective on this upcoming game, which seems like a really big game for the Chargers. So make sure you don't miss that. Subscribe or follow 
wherever you're digesting this podcast out or consuming this podcast out. We would really appreciate it. But we'll be back with you guys then. Until then, take it easy and go Bolts.